the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to 98.9 FM, The Answer in Columbus, 94.5 FM in Dayton. Bruce, we're praying for you. God be with you. Hey, you've probably already heard that union workers at all three major auto workers went on strike at midnight as the United Auto Workers Union tries to pressure auto auto manufacturers to increase wages, restore pensions for new hires and more. Well, at 11.50, we'll talk with Jessica Dugan. She's a labor attorney at Willis Spang- Spangler and Starling right here in Columbus. And she's going to shed some light on how the laborers see it and answer questions about how this may all turn out. In the second hour, I'll be joined by Protect Women Ohio spokeswoman Amy Natosi on Ohio Issue 1. Then at 1235, GOP U.S. Senate candidate Bernie Moreno will be with me. And he's going to talk about the statement he released yesterday about the guy he hopes to contend in the general election in 2024, U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown, regarding Brown's earmarking $750,000 for a group that supports drag time story hours for school children. Then at 12.50, political commentator Mehek Cook will be with us to talk more about the radical abortion and transgender activism amendment slated for a vote this November, also known as Ohio Issue 1. But right now, I'm joined by Center for Christian Virtue President Aaron Baer, Aaron, welcome to the Bruce Woolley Show. How are you this morning, sir? Hey, Jack. Well, it's it's a pleasure always to catch up with you, Jack, but also just uh, praying for our brother Bruce uh, that the Lord would uh, bring him through and get him back on these airwaves. Uh, as much as I love hearing you, Jack, I, I'm, I'm praying to get Bruce back here quickly, too. Amen. Amen. 100% in agreement with you there. Listen, you called me yesterday, and we had a good conversation, and I'm glad you did, um, because Senate Bill 32 dropped— it was introduced by uh, Senate Democrat Nikki Antonio and surprisingly co-sponsored by a Republican, uh, George Lang from Southwestern Ohio. Now, it appears the bill would codify gender identity. Uh, I read that as transgender activism and sexual orientation in the Ohio Revised Code. Uh, what can you tell us about the Senate bill, Senate Bill 32? Yeah, one thir- it, it's, it's one thirty-two. 132. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the... You know, I, I think what's important about this is, and and it's it's no, it's not a, a little thing that that we're sounding the alarm over Senate Bill 132 in the midst of everything else going on right now with, with you know abortion on demand up till birth uh, being on our ballot this November and legalized marijuana being on the uh, ballot this November. This bill is the most dangerous bill uh, in the country uh, in, in in the state today. Um, it's a bill that's been around for, you know, probably about 15 years, and grace of God, it never goes anywhere. But in part, it's because uh, conservatives and, and Christians in particular uh, take it very seriously, and we don't fall asleep at the wheel. And so, uh, you know, we, 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 all, we were expecting it to be introduced again. Uh, it gets introduced every session. 
you know, a few years ago, this bill would get a lot of traction, a lot of committee hearings. It's never actually been passed out of committee. Um, we've been able to kind of tamper it down a little bit more and more. But this year, what really jumped out, what shocked us is, you know, they typically always have all the, the liberals on the bill. Um, but this year, you see a, a senator with a pretty conservative voting record, a senator that's been a friend in George Lang from the Cincinnati area, uh, be a co-sponsor of this bill. Uh, and that is completely unacceptable for any conservative, for anybody who says they care about life and they care about families and they care about children, uh, and they especially care about religious freedom, to have any association with this legislation because uh, th- this is the worst of the worst. This, this bill says up is down. Boys can become girls. Men can be allowed in women's bathrooms. Uh, businesses can be punished uh, for not wanting to participate in same-sex weddings. I mean, it, it really is um, everything that's anti-American about the left right now wrapped up in one piece of legislation. In Ohio, of course, they call it the Fairness Act, which means uh, that means it's the opposite. It's actually the Unfairness Act, just like in, in Congress, they call it the Equality Act, and it actually creates massive inequalities uh, along the way. Yeah, you speak that very well because I I believe that what is down is up and what is up is down in the world that we live in today. And the left is fantastic, super fantastic at creating language. I call it neurolinguistic programming. They, they try to <laughs> call things um, that aren't as if they are. And uh, they make those things more palatable. And so, you know, someone a long time ago said, we're never going to get it right until we call it what it is. Well, what I see right. in this bill, and I just want to run this up the flagpole with you again, it, it, it's going to allow essentially um, somebody who has gender dysphoria to go into a bathroom that he wants to, to participate on a, a girl's sports team, uh, essentially all the, all the nightmarish things. Is that, is that what this bill does? That's exactly right, Jack. And, and this isn't hypothetical, right? One, it's, it's happening all over the country. It's happening in, in Ohio right now. Uh, you know, we just had a situation where a 400-pound man uh, was going into the, the women's locker room at the YMCA in Xenia, Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, and was standing there staring at young girls. Uh, you know, actually, uh, the, the, the girls actually sued the YMCA for letting it happen. Um, and they lost their case because this 400-pound man, and, and, and pardon if you have kids in the car, just do me the favor and, and turn off the radio now because you're not going to want to hear this. Uh, but this 400-pound man was completely naked in the bath in the women's restroom staring at these girls. But the uh, court uh, said they weren't able to you know, prosecute him uh, because his fat flaps, they literally said his fat flaps were covering up his genitalia so he wasn't actually naked. Um, you know, wow. this was the policy of the YMCA, YMCA to allow this to happen. Um, and now they're experiencing pressure to change back their policy. But if this law passed, this would be what the policy that would have to be enforced in every private space. Uh, and that's why it's just completely unacceptable that, uh, that J- George Lang and really anybody would sponsor this, but especially somebody like George who says he cares about religious freedom and kids and privacy and things like that. So we're going to keep a, a, a pulse on what's going on with 132 at the Ohio Press Network and, and here at the Bruce Woolley Show and other endeavors. And uh, laws are laws. They can be changed. They can be uh, amended. But constitutional amendments are a lot harder to deal with. Let's pivot there. We've got about a minute and a half. Ohio issue yeah. one, we call it a radical abortion amendment that would allow abortion on demand for matters of convenience. It would allow kids to gender transition and abort children without parental involvement. 
where do you see issue one right now and uh, anything that you've um, seen happen in the last week that uh, our listeners need to know about that radical proposed amendment? So, so we'll be real quick here. There's, there's bad news and good news, right? The bad news is the other side got up on TV this week um, and, and their ad is incredibly deceitful uh, and harmful, right? It's, it, it's, it is just, it's over the top with the lies that they put in this thing. But here's the good news. We, 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 we see a path forward. We have polling that's going and all, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we see that there is a very real path to victory for us uh, here to save 30,000 lives a year. And honestly, Jack, it, it starts with if we get every pro-life and evangelical voter out to vote and to vote no, we, we will win. That is the that's that's it's all going to come down to if you are an evangelical voter, if you're a Catholic voter, if you're a pro-life voter, if you're a, a voter that voted for Trump. If we bring you back to vote no uh, on uh, from October 11th through November 7th, uh, we should win this. Um, and that that's the path forward for us. And so I'm, I'm excited. What excites me about that is we just need to get our churches to vote. And this is what CCB is doing. This is as a part of the Protect Women Ohio Coalition. I'm so glad you're having Amy and, and the heck on because they'll bring this message really well. Uh, but from CCB's perspective, we're here to help drive the churches out. We have a ton of resources for churches at ccb.org slash vote. Uh, and they're all free. And we need churches to step up and speak out now. Yeah. And I'm going to read the amendment later. But I assure you, the first few words read any individual. And so, folks, what I want yep. you to understand is that any individual means any individual, minor, adult, male, female, and it has everything to do with reproductive health and things yet to come. So you need to get out to vote and you need to get your friends and your neighbors out to vote because I promise you, once the camel's nose gets under the tent on this, you're going to look back five years from now and go, oh my Lord, what did we do? Aaron Bear, thank you for spending time with us today on The Bruce Woolley Show. We appreciate you and look forward to having you back. Hey, thanks, Jack. Hey, on the other side of this break... What do we have? We have Jessica Dugan. We're going to talk about the UAW strike up next. Welcome back to the Bruce Hooley Show, 98.9 FM, The Answer. A little later, uh, we'll have a few minutes and uh, may talk about the latest poll numbers regarding Donald Trump and Joe Biden. But I want to talk now about something they're both addressing. Donald Trump calls on auto workers union to make ending EV mandates priority in high stakes negotiations. But I'm not as qualified to do that as who I have with me now. Her name is Jessica Dugan, and she is an attorney with labor and union experience. She's with Willis Spangler and Starling, and we welcome her to the Bruce Woolley show. Jessica, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, I have a lot of notes here and just some questions. But first, I, I want to let our listeners kind of get a full scope understanding of, of what's going on. And unions have successfully uh, used strikes in the past uh, to create pressure in order to get fair wages, cost of living adjustments. And so that kind of looks like what we're seeing now. What are the major negotiation points that you see right now? 
Um, let's start there and then we'll kind of talk through if we can, if we have time, uh, what maybe makes sense or what might be, you know, excessive, but what, what are the major negotiation points right now as you see it? Sure. Um, like most union contract negotiations, the employee union wants significant wage increases. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of talk in the media about whether the wage increases are, um, reasonable. Uh, I think specifically, you know, they're asking for between 40 and 46% of an increase over the life of a four-year contract. Um, so that's obviously the major, the major sticking point in the negotiation, like most labor contracts. Um, that's usually one of the primary uh, focuses of the contract negotiation. Um, they also have a proposal there for restoring the cost of living allowance adjustments that were taken out of the contract around the time of the 2008 recession. Um, and when you say cost of living, know, just real quick, does that mean sure. um, a, a bump in wage as well as a bump in uh, you know, what's contributed to the pension, both? Or how, tell us what that means. Typically, yes. Um, it's, you know, it can, it can definitely be negotiated to do it differently. But typically, when you're looking at cost of living adjustments, um, it matches inflation. And usually, if they're going to negotiate that into a contract, there's some sort of metric that's, that both parties look at so that they can agree on what that is. Um, you know, typically, cost of living allowances, even in non-union workforces, track inflation a little bit more closely. And really, over the life of a four-year contract, that's important because without cost of living increases, regardless of what the baseline wage increases over the year or over the life of a contract, you're going to depress wages over the long term if you don't match inflation for cost of living. So, for example, if inflation is 5% and your annual raise is only 1%, you have a 4% depression of your wages over the, co- the course of the next year. And then that inflation rate on top of it at the end of that next year. So you can see how over the course of a contract that becomes very important. For sure. And real quick. So I think we're somewhere at about 7% right now and over four years, that's 28%, but that's just simple interest. And, but we're talking about compound interest. So, I mean, without a cost of living adjustment, there is the real risk of losing not only 28%, but probably close to half the value of your, your dollar uh, over a four or five year period. Correct, which is why the unions are really pushing, and we've seen it across the board in um, high-profile labor contract negotiations this year, but especially for UAW, because they had you know, taken that cost-of-living adjustment that was part of their contract for um, you know, decades, they took it out at the request of the automakers back during the 2007-2008 recession, um, you know, to, to help out the auto manufacturers and especially in our current climate where over the past four years or so since COVID, you know, inflation has skyrocketed. So it's caused excessive depression in wages. Um, so they really want that back in. And then some of the other things that I'm, I'm hearing and I, but I just, I don't, I don't know yet. Um, one of them is that there's a, a desire to have uh, pensions reinstated for new employees. I'm assuming just like um, in, in non-union shops, there's, there's usually a waiting period for you to enroll in your 401k or at least to get matching from your employer. Uh, is that one of the bargaining chips um, in, in this negotiation? 
Yes. So another thing that was in the proposal that they're pushing is defined benefit pension for all workers. My understanding, and I would have to do a little bit more reading about this because I think it may have been different between the, the big three auto manufacturers, but um, there was some agreement that perhaps workers after a certain date would have would not be entered into the pension, but instead would be offered a 401k or something similar to that. So in this proposal, one of the one of the major sticking points again is reinstating that pension benefit for all workers. In general, unions prefer pensions over 401ks um, simply because it's a defined benefit. You have a, a flat um, defined benefit over the course of your retirement, whereas 401ks don't work that way really anymore. So um, pensions are, are something that unions have been trying to get back because, again, that was something that a lot of them let fall to the wayside. and and, um, you know, focused on other bargaining issues that were more important previously. One of the other components that I, I read about, and I'm sure this is probably still on the bargaining table too, is, is kind of this job bank. And uh, that might be the one to me that I go, okay, I, I could see um, in this environment that that might be something that gets kicked out. But essentially, and, and I'm sorry if I if I really water this down, but a job bank is if somebody is – um, unemployed, they, they essentially get the opportunity to come in and do something on a daily basis um, so that there's money in their pocket. Um, is that is that something that you think would get kicked out? And is that is that on the bargaining table? I didn't see that in my reading of what was in the most recent um, proposal made by the union. But if that was in there, it wouldn't surprise me. A lot of um, skilled labor forces that are unionized do this. Um, it's very common, for example, for union operators of heavy machinery, union laborers um, that do like concrete work or things like that. A, lo- a lot of people may think about it as you go to the union hall to get a job for the day, right? It, it's much less like you're at an employer for 20 years and much more like you go to your local union hall, you register, and when there's work, you're provided that work. It may be on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, but it's much less tied to the specific employer. Um, I can definitely see for the large automakers how that would be beneficial to them too, because if you have turnover or something like that, you can still bring in a skilled worker that the union has trained in most cases to do various jobs that, um, you know, that they supply workers for so that you have an already trained workforce and it will, in the long term, cost them much less money than using temporary workers, which is what they've been doing thus far. One of the things I'm concerned about, we've got about a, a minute here, so I'll wrap up. But one of the things I'm concerned about is how this affects the supply chain. Um, you know, the big manufacturers, that's, that's kind of one level. But uh, a lot of the employment associated with the auto industry is, is down the line. And so you have you know, maybe a small tool and die shop, for example. The last strike lasted 40 days. Uh, given this economic environment, I'm concerned that those, let's say, tool and die makers and other manufacturers, if they're out for 40 days, if they're not producing, um, that could spell disaster. Um, go ahead. I'll let you address that. We've got actually only about 20 seconds, and I apologize I did that to you. Oh, that's okay. Um, so something that UAW is doing to try to prevent that issue down the supply chain is what's called a stand-up strike, which means that not all union workers went on strike today, for example. 
Um, and so they're starting with a smaller percentage of the workforce that's striking, hoping to, um, you know, prevent some of those issues. Jessica Dugan, I'm grateful for that great analysis. Thank you so much. I know our listeners appreciate it, and uh, we'll have you back. All right. Thanks so much. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.